Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of our living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The message for this day comes to us from that gospel text just read, continuing Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Some people say that the Bible is a guidebook for life. And I suppose that the thinking there is that if you follow the teaching that you'll find in the Bible, you'll become a better person, that you'll have better relationships with the world around you. And some of those same people say that Jesus was a teacher of morality, someone who offered wisdom to his followers, wisdom that would shape them and their lives with an understanding of what to do or what not to do. Now, if those people leave it at that, then they're free to take whatever they like or leave behind whatever they don't like. The scripture becomes kind of a pick and choose kind of thing, and so does Jesus' teaching. Now, yeah, the Bible does have a lot to say about life. Jesus does too. He even speaks to his disciples, telling them what he thought about the Bible's guidelines and what they should be. But Jesus isn't merely a teacher of morality. And the Bible isn't simply a book that contains guidelines for living. Because if either of those were simply just that, then there wouldn't really be much point in following along with him when there are so many other things contending to offer the same, usually with a more attractive result or more immediate outcome. Christians, however, believe that the Bible is God's living word. That Jesus is God the Son, the Word made flesh. And if Jesus is that, if he is the Son of God, that means that the Bible, and especially Jesus' teaching about how people are called to live, is the most reliable place that anyone can go to find out what life is supposed to look like, what it is meant to be. When you read the Bible, you'll see that Jesus doesn't really leave people who would follow him with the option of picking and choosing what he has to say, that you could take some of it, leave the rest behind. Jesus speaks the truth because he is truth. Jesus offers words for living because he is the author of life. Now, for the Christian especially, life is all about Jesus. And so are the choices that you make. This weekend marks the finale of our Being SJLC emphasis for this year as the epiphany season draws to a close. And I hope that the theme for this year's focus, It's All About Jesus, really hits home for you today, recalling how Jesus is the light of all nations, how his light continues to dawn in and shine through his people out into the world around us. For the past two weeks, we've been listening to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, a message that continues in the gospel text today. We have heard what Jesus has said, how he spoke about what it means to be blessed in the kingdom of God. That Jesus declares those who would follow him to be salt and light in this world. So as we close out this year's Being SJLC Emphasis, as we hear Jesus teaching about life, consider the following question. Who are you becoming?
as they gathered around to hear Jesus out there in the countryside, as they gathered at the mount. Jesus' followers might have been thinking that they were doing okay in following God's design for life. They learned from their culture what it meant to be a good and righteous person, what was expected of them, even in some of those less common situations that might make life a little bit rough when they come up. Now, some of them probably even thought that they were following the law perfectly, or at least as well as could be expected given human limitations. But that understanding, that thought that they were following the law perfectly, that they were doing everything that was expected of them, was a misunderstanding. And it's a misunderstanding that Jesus would soon put right. With the part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we just heard this morning, Jesus illuminates the true intention of God's Torah instruction for life, what we call the Old Testament, the First Covenant, the Scriptures. Jesus opens it up. Now, spoiler alert, it's a bar that is far too high, a standard far more comprehensive than anything that we would be able to achieve on our own. And that's the bad news. Here's the good news. Jesus has achieved it for us. And that achievement shapes all of his followers' lives to be increasingly like his. That is what being a disciple is all about. Following Jesus in a transformed life. And by nature of that changing, a life that changes the lives of the people around it. You are not perfect. Does this come to a shock, anyone here? Jesus is. Jesus is, and because he is, following him leads you to be more like him, living a life that even and evermore reflects God's intention for it. Who are you becoming? In the first segment of Jesus' teaching today, you heard him speak about murder. And we understand that murder is more than just simple killing. It's killing with hateful intent. Jesus doesn't just leave it at that, though. He declares that God's commandment, what we know as the fifth commandment, is more than just about taking a life. It's much more comprehensive. Jesus warns his followers against harboring malice in their hearts, especially against their fellow believers. Bitterness, rage, those are damnable. They are things which separate you from God. The emotions which you let flow inside you can spill out and over into the full-grown action and deed that hurts and harms the people in the world around you, your neighbor. But even if you never go that far, those attitudes will harm you. Bit by bit, they will shape your life. Instead of hating or holding on to a grievance against your fellow human being, Jesus calls his followers to seek to restore broken relationships. By God's grace, you can forgive as you have been forgiven. Reconciliation is a mark of Jesus' disciples. 
Now, with the following segment of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues to teach his followers about desires that can move from one's heart and mind into the outside world. Here he turns his attention to the sin of adultery. And just as you heard him do with the fifth commandment, so he does with the sixth. You shall not commit adultery isn't just about married people straying from their vows. Instead, Jesus calls all of his followers to sexual purity. Sexual purity in inner thought as well as outward deed. Lustful thinking, even in and of itself, is adultery. In the same way, pornography or anything that is inviting that lustful desire into your heart and mind is a deadly poison for both man and woman alike. As Jesus lays it out, impure thoughts are a serious danger to the life of discipleship, the life of following him, because what you let grow inside can easily lash out into the outside world. Instead of letting your eye dwell on the things that lead you into danger, turn away. And even though your eye might be drawn towards it, God's power even extends to your neck. Because when there is something in front of you that you know is not going to be good for you, you can look away. From adultery, Jesus moves on to the related topic of divorce. In first century Palestine, much like today, people didn't really think divorce was that big of a deal. They understood that if you went and got the proper certificate for divorce, you were doing everything that was required. But Jesus isn't having any of that. He's telling his followers, do not divorce. It shouldn't be a thing among you. Divorce has the same effect as adultery because both violate and destroy marriage as God intended it. Now, you might know the trauma of divorce in your life. Divorce is never a healthy event, even in those situations when it might seem the most necessary. It's like taking a living body and tearing it in two. Yet God still offers full and complete forgiveness for the sin of the past, bringing healing to our brokenness, even as the scars might remain. As a Christian, as one who would follow Jesus as a disciple, you can still move forward as a child of God, making choices that reflect his design for your relationships in the future. The final topic that Jesus addresses is one that might seem a little bit strange to us as modern-day hearers. He talks about oaths, the vows that people would make to reinforce their sincerity whenever they were speaking. The people of his day even had an elaborate system of ranking oaths based on the severity of the promise they were making, whether it was by heaven or by earth by the great city of Jerusalem, even by the back of their head. But when it comes down to it, making such oaths was really about playing around with the truth. And as Jesus puts it, any deception, deception in any form, is an act which comes from the devil, from the evil one. And he has been doing it since the earliest days of Adam and Eve. 
Playing around with the truth almost is pastime in our day. Especially in a culture which is so saturated with social media platforms, it is all too easy to say what we want to say, to hurl our words out into the void without thinking about how they would impact our neighbor. As a person who has been claimed by Christ, however, you have been redeemed to speak the truth and to speak the truth in love. Your speech matters. Say what you mean and only what you mean. Don't use your words lightly. Choose them in a way that honors the one who has given you the ability to speak. It's all about Jesus. Discipleship is about following Jesus as the Holy Spirit works on you each day to make you more and more Christ-like. The choices that you make make a difference. But our Lord does not leave you to make those choices alone. He stands with you as a shepherd to guard you and guide you as you journey through life. This morning at our later service, another child will be washed in those waters of holy baptism. God will adopt her as his own. And even though she cannot yet walk or talk, God is still at work to make her more like his son. God does the same for you every day. He is shaping you to be more and more like Christ. So who are you becoming? In God's grace, look to the word and see. Amen.